You are listening to Feminist Current. I'm Megan Murphy. On January 21st, three million people across the globe, a majority of whom were women, took to the streets. Though the initial women's march was set to take place in Washington in response to Donald Trump's inauguration, sister marches spread across the globe. It was indeed the largest demonstration in U.S. history. An estimated 15,000 people attended the march here in Vancouver, my hometown. While the organizers faced many critiques, some valid, some not so much, the event was decidedly powerful. Sadly, I was out of the country when the march took place, so I spoke with Lee Lakeman, who attended Vancouver's sister march, to hear more about the event some of the critiques voiced by leftists, and what can and should come next. Lee is a veteran of the Canadian women's movement and was a member of the Vancouver Rape Relief Collective for 35 years before retiring in 2014. I spoke with her over the phone from her home in Vancouver. Here is that interview. So you attended the march here in Vancouver. Um, First, can you tell me what that experience was like? Oh, it was so fun. I mean, we haven't had that big a march in Vancouver since the International Peace Marches. And this one was so much more fun because women were prominent everywhere. And in spite of the fact that, you know, the march was not really uh, designed to show off the independent women's movement, nevertheless, women made it happen. It was just great. There was probably 20,000 people in the streets in Vancouver, And at some points, the march could hardly move. So it was great. Mm -hmm. And what was your sense of attendees? You know, who was there? How diverse was the crowd? Were lots of uh, people there feminist? It was kind of a be square, be there moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was hesitant, as I'm sure many others were, as we, when we first heard the, the calls and the announcement, because it looked like the same old... Uh, we're going to manage you uh, kind of, you know, a low-left strategy. Mm. And in fact, that's not what happened. Uh, The call was more genuine than has often been the case, and it didn't stop. It didn't uh, dissuade uh, feminists from really bringing out their stuff. So, you know, in the week of the announcement of the three key speakers in Washington, Um, You might feel a bit depressed as a feminist, but in the end, Gloria Steinem made a great speech uh, that involved um, speaking out about sex trafficking and prostitution, which was wonderful. And clearly, um, uh, the organizers that had moved over from the Bernie campaign brought their organizing skills to Washington, but also that reverberated in Canada. And in the week before we got to the street, the Toronto women were just brilliant with their little uh, coverage that they got on CBC where they were making making a silkscreen T-shirt campaign, which they talked about as old-fashioned feminists, which was great irony because they were really pulling up all the second-wave demands, which was spectacular. And they managed to, you know, design this T-shirt with a beaver on it, 
<laughs> and announced themselves as being beavers for pussies, which was terrific. Mm-hmm. So you could hear the undertone of the support for lesbianism, and you could hear the call to the second wave demands, and we could we began to recognize each other from then. So then everybody I know went to the march. I mean, it was it was definitely you're foolish to miss it. First of all, because it was going to be fun, and secondly. Women were clever. They were really clever in using the pussy hats to not... It wasn't about promoting essentialism. It was about recognizing women's biological reality. The, the, the pussy hats not only said, don't grab us wherever you like, but also said, you know, we have particular biology, and that biology leads us to the demand for reproductive rights and leads us to demands that are connected to our bodies, everything from, you know, our attachment to childcare to um, everything, including, you know, all the demands that women have accrued over the last 50 years were present in the march. You could see it. And, you know, without anybody's permission, we just did it, which was wonderful. So I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of issues were touched on by by speakers? Well, personally, I never heard any of the speakers. (laughs) And I think half of the march didn't. You know, I went back later and looked up what the speakers were saying in Washington, Mm -hmm. some of which were very fine, particularly the young women. But in Vancouver, I never heard the speakers. The sound system only allowed that sound to come back about a third of the way in the march. And those of us who were beyond that were relying on the signs that we were giving each other. So <clears throat> if you were looking around, you could absolutely see that the demands were, uh, you know, very broad. They certainly were violence against women. That was probably the, to end violence against women. And in some ways they were, you know, calls to interfere with violence against women or calls to insist that men must interfere with each other about violence against women. There were calls for supports for women after violence against women. There were calls for recognition of what male violence against women really is and what constitutes that violence. So that was great. But there were also uh, calls for child care, calls for protections for lesbianism and an interference with obligatory heterosexuality. There were really great anti-imperialism signs. There were great anti-capitalist signs, demands for equal pay all the way up to guaranteed livable income. So a pretty big range of the demands that women have worked on for years. Mm -hmm. And in terms of demonstrations and in terms of your experience participating in political protest in your lifetime, particularly feminist protests and demonstrations. How do you think the Women's March compares to other mass protests or political demonstrations? It was huge. It was great. It was unified. It was a resurgence. There's no question about it. In some ways, it was bigger, of course, because it included some men. But women were by far the majority in the march, in every march, every march. And I spent, I came back on a total high after the march and went to my computer and started watching and reposting as the images came in of marches around the world. So it's certainly true that the Americans rose up against 
Trump in every American city, but it's also true that across Canada and then across the world, women use this as an opportunity to recognize each other's outrage and to recognize the need to keep going and to take this moment and re-fortify ourselves to get going. The, the nonsense that you're hearing now where, you know, silly baby leftists are, are talking about women not having their demands together is just bullshit. I mean, it's just bullshit. And I also think that, you know, the traditional male-dominated new left is busy saying, gee, you know, we can include women now. Well, I'm sorry, but our demands are for a lot more than to be included. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think this was really good for all of us, but we really have to keep going. We have to now step up our game. There were great things from some men, like, uh, you know, the filmmaker Michael... Michael Moore? Yeah, Michael Moore. In his list of what Americans should do, his descriptions about how to get active... One of the things he's right about is that uh, we need to join groups. Everybody needs to be in a group and use that group to enact strategies and to get bolder. So, you know, I think there was a a lot of learning was going on. Of the young women who went from Vancouver Raperly, for instance, to the march in Washington, and they did go, there was a contingent went, they quickly were learning the lessons that that were pretty available to you in the 60s and 70s, you know, what to do if tear gas happens, how to prepare yourself for police interrogation, how to keep track of a lawyer's name. You have to know all those things to be fully active in street demonstrations because they're not all going to be so huge that they can't be interfered with by police forces. Mm -hmm. And speaking of, you know, these, these, you know, these criticisms from leftist men are kind of questioning about how effective this kind of protest is. Do you think these kinds of actions are effective, you know, and, and what does it take for these kinds of act- actions to be effective and, and to have real impact? Yes, I think, they have. I think they're effective, and I think you need to apply a feminist understanding of how social change happens. So in this situation, I believe a lot of women got reinforced that this is a public fight, that they're not alone up against violence against women or up against mockery, condemnation, undermining that they face every day. This was a moment where women could recognize each other. And also, I think it's a moment where women's expectation of support from the rest of the left also is in play. So it's a beginning. I think the coalition that was struck to make the demonstrations in the States was pretty good. In Canada, it's pretty weak. Uh, we need to get a lot better at coalition building again. We were, we were very good up to about 1995. But, you know, we, we've lived through Harper, and Harper has separated us. So there's a need to reconstruct coalitions and to get those coalitions to be cooperative with each other's understanding of the world and with each other's analysis. It's not just you borrow my troops and I borrow your troops. There has to be an integration of our understandings as we proceed forward. And that's that's exactly what will be wrecked by people mocking the achievement of this march. The, The achievement is an opening. 
It's mm-hmm. a really important opening to say, yeah, we can work together if you recognize certain obligations, you know, as a coalition partner about what will be tolerated and what will be promoted and who will be on the stage and what, what will happen. Women have not had our fair share in the broad coalitions of the left yet, and it's time we did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I had my concerns around planning that was happening around the march and the policy platform because, you know, the organizers were taking a really big tent approach, and so they were they're going out of the, their way to ensure everyone felt welcome and included. No, I don't think they were, actually. Okay. What, what <clears> I think, actually, they were being highly selective to a very tame version of the new left. No, I don't think they were. I don't think they approached radical feminist groups at all. I don't think they promoted a genuinely broad tent version. I think it was a pretty liberal tapping in. On the end, they didn't prohibit, which allowed a broader range of groups to participate without being welcomed and to you know, make use of it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess what I was thinking was in terms of the way that they, they made sure that men were included. And, um, well, that solved a number of issues for them. If they included men, they could be more sure of the numbers because men are more obedient than we are. So mm-hmm. that's a possibility. And also, they included men because that solved the question for them of the trans issues. And so if it was wide open to men and women and kids, they could just sidestep all those questions. Well, that's kind of okay with me at the moment. And anyway, we need men and women and kids to all be protesting Trump. But if you're going to say it's a women's march, then you do have to integrate some of the understanding of feminism. You know, obviously what is most notable about these marches is that they were nonviolent, which is a big factor. And that's because it was women. The big tent approach is fine with me in this situation, but the minute somebody starts to try and drive these marches to an NDP agenda or a social democrat agenda, which is what will happen, then they'll lose the participation of the extra numbers of women. This, this march was larger than the peace march in Vancouver. So, in fact, it drew more, and that extra is us. It sounds like you're pretty happy with the way the marches went, and and I am too, and I think, you know, millions of women are also. But I wonder if you, I mean, is there anything you wish they'd done differently? Oh, no, they succeeded. They they busted through all our despair. I think it was wonderful. It was a great initiative. It's just a start, um, but it's a great initiative, and I congratulate them. Very, It was very, very well done. But we need to go on, so... You know, in Vancouver, we know the next dates. You know, we know that the Americans are going to mark the tax day. Well, we're not going to mark the tax day. We're going to mark other things here. We already know that the uh, police officer who's under attack for buying underage girls and women and uh, in his uniform Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, is back in court on February 14th. We want to be attending to that. We know that um, Chris Hedges is going to partner with a coalition of women's groups here to present some analysis of what to do after Trump and that that event will happen. Oh, what's the date? I don't have it in my hand here. But maybe we can post that at the bottom of this piece or something. But Totally, yeah. 
Thank you. Um, so that's another event that's going to happen. It's International Women's Week when that coalition work will happen. So, you know, there's going to be more. And it won't be all mass mobilization because mostly women's groups organize mostly by interlocking collectives and interlocking groups. And there will be considerably more of that. Mm I found a lot of the media coverage to be pretty awful or, um, you know, kind of the responses in the media, especially from progressive media, unfortunately, um, but, you know, from the right also, you know, like there was a lot of mockery. I, I think you mentioned mockery before, you know, there are pictures of women in pink hats taking selfies, like to kind of represent the march as being silly. And it's just about these superficial women who just want to put photos on social media in Vancouver, there was um, Black Lives Matter Vancouver published a statement saying they were excluded and that trans women were excluded from the march and the media... Well, they, yeah, actually, they were so excluded that they made that speech from the stage. <laughs> you know, and the media, the media really picked up on that. The progressive media went with that story. And no other story, you know, I read, uh, like two or three stories in Rabble about how Black Lives Matter and trans women were excluded and they didn't mention anything else about, you know, they didn't, they didn't mention how great the march was, I should say. No, uh, no. And, you know, Rabble, as usual, doesn't really understand what happens on the West Coast. So for starters, this march was led off by a contingent of Aboriginal people. Um, first of all, it's a fabulous tradition in Vancouver and it happened again in this march. And so... This march has to deal with Aboriginal rights in a way that Toronto has to deal with Black Lives Matter. I mean, it's a matter of the demographics of the areas. So, you know, that's one thing. But, but also, it's so absolutely typical of men who've paid no attention to the women's movement that they would attack us for being racist or failing to be attentive to the issues of race when there's absolutely no possibility that anybody who's looking can see that the women's movement has always been better on race and class. Not good enough, not good enough, but definitely better than most left male-dominated organizations. Let's be clear. We've had huge fights. We know exactly what we're fighting about. And the, and the Canadian women's movement actually was considerably more advanced on these issues than the Americans. So... This is harsh, but also I think there's a fight going on now over who owns the crowd. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty clear that crowd was disproportionately women, and it was disproportionately women who wanted to say, I am a woman, and here's the issues I'm attached to. That's what was going on. And, you know, people can pretend anything else they like, but it was pretty damn visible in, in March. And in all the photographs of all the marches all around the world, which is totally wonderful in my mind, totally mm -hmm. wonderful. I thought the pussy hats were totally silly when I first saw it. You know, not at the march, but before the march. And I couldn't have even imagined I would do such a thing as wear a pussy hat. And then I started laughing at myself and thinking, don't be ridiculous, why not? <laughs> and I, you know, at one point I imagined, okay, I'll wear the pussy out, but I'll hang something dangerous <laughs> off one of the ends of it. But I didn't, because <laughs> A, you'd whack yourself in the head, and B, 
it was completely unnecessary. You look at those photographs, you can see this is an undeniable sea of women and women who are saying they're women and who are making demands about the lives of women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm getting shivers up my spine listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. I got shivers up my spine. It was, it was great for me. It was very good. I, I, I found, you know, whatever else is true, the young women who who initiated this and the women who moved over from the Bernie campaign were very smart in this. They were very smart. And I'd like to push them considerably farther toward more feminism. But what they achieved is wonderful. I mean, Ashley Judd's presentation of the 19-year-old's poem was wonderful. And the young, uh, the, the young um, Hispanic actress, I'm certainly, I've forgotten her name, she was great. Uh, Sarkour Sanser, the, um, the um, Muslim woman in leadership, was just spectacular. They were wonderful. And so, you know, I felt it as a moment of, okay, I'm old and tired and I got a bit cynical and these women are kicking my butt and saying, get up, get a sense of humor, let's go. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. Totally loved it. I wonder if you think there's value in publicly criticizing these events. You know, it's like women do all this work and they put something together and they do something great. And throughout their organizing process, they're criticized and criticized and criticized. And then the thing happens and they're criticized. And, you know, I, I think that I think that criticism is important. You know, I do it all the time. Obviously, I, I criticize the Women's March policy before the march happened myself. But, you know, there's also the thing that we don't want to dissuade pe- women from, from trying to organize out of fear that they'll be attacked or criticized. And that's what, ha- you know, like I know so many young women who've tried to organize events um, and demonstrations. And after the thing happened, they were like, never again, because they, they got attacked so badly and criticized so badly from, you know, various ends of the political spectrum. Well, I think there's two two really important points about that. One is... When you're trying to organize anything politically, you have to understand you're making an aggressive move. You're making an aggressive move against the resistance of the status quo. And, you know, the powers that be don't like it. And they'll get you. And they'll get you by mocking you, by uh, impoverishing you, by punishing you, by condemning you by arguing against you. I mean, it's, it's to be expected. Political action, political activity is not, it's not unimportant. It's terribly, terribly important. Every little action is terribly important. And when you get resistance, it's a measure of the importance of what you're doing. So I say, when you recognize that you're being attacked like that, buck up and do it louder. Do mm-hmm. it more. So that's one thing. So people have got to toughen up. Like it, it, there's a there's a perception that you know we should all be able to display our radicalism and not pay for it. Well, that's not real. Mm-hmm. So, but on the other hand, I think that it's important in another way, which is yes, they're trying to stop you. They are, you know, the the jerky young man who makes fun of women stepping into public life is definitely doing the work of the patriarchy. And the senior leftist who can't move over and make room for a feminist leader 
is absolutely doing the work of the man. And we shouldn't tolerate it. And when women are under attack, we should definitely get behind them as much as we can. On the other hand, the dialogue that has to happen between women as we go and between our allies and us as we go, that's a necessary part of the stuff. And sometimes it smarts. I don't always like learning. I don't always like being corrected. But it's a necessary part of the... It's certainly a necessary part of alliance building. Men have to expect to be criticized by feminists for their failure to attend to women. And women have to expect that we will be corrected when we are not playing fair or not um, properly recognizing race and class issues. I think that's, you know, criticism and criticism in the course of marching together is kind of the best stuff, really. And finally, what advice do you have for all of these angry women who attended the march and who maybe aren't engaged with the feminist movement, aren't, um, you know, maybe don't even know other feminists, who haven't done political organizing before? What can they do with this anger? What, what, what can and should come next? Well, I think there's several things were pretty obvious. We have not been visible to each other. So when we all saw the pussy hats, we saw each other in a way we hadn't before. So the first thing is make yourself visible. Get a button, write a letter, join a group, sign a complaint, something. Do something. And there's a hierarchy of action. If you got as far as going to the march, don't go backwards now. Go up from there. Get yourself a little gang. Plan an action in your neighborhood uh, in relation to your, your school board, your police department, your anything. And if you don't know what to do, contact an existing women's group and ask them, can I join you or what needs done or will you help me organize a meeting to decide what to do? Just get going. Thank you so much for talking with me today about this. I'm re- I really appreciate it and I feel really excited by your commentary. Oh, thanks. You just heard an interview with Lee Lakeman, a longtime feminist activist who has spent her adult life building the independent women's movement in alliances against patriarchy, capitalism, racism, and imperialism. She is currently writing a history of Vancouver Rape Relief and Women's Shelter. You can find more of her work at leelakeman.com. That is all the time we have for today. I'm Megan Murphy. Thanks for tuning in to Feminist Current. You can find us online at feministcurrent.com tweet at us at Feminist Current, or send us an email at info at feministcurrent.com. We are hosted by Libsyn, and you can subscribe to the Feminist Current podcast anywhere you like to listen. iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Google Play, and beyond. You can even give us five stars and a review on iTunes. Show the world radical feminism is worth listening to. Feminist Current is a syndicated show produced and edited by myself, Megan Murphy, out of Vancouver, BC. If your station would like to air Feminist Current, you can find episodes at audioport.org. And finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, consider making a donation to support our work. Just visit feministcurrent.com and click the donate button.